Hello, all you magical mushrooms out there. Welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. My name is Casey. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by the equally magical Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. I enjoy that, being magical. <laughs> How are you today? I'm, I'm okay. I don't. It's, I had the realization, and again, it's later when you all are listening to this, but it's the end of January right now. I'm not ready for that. How are we already done with a month? I can barely remember what year it is. Yeah. All right. And we're already a month into it. So I'm feeling just a little bit disoriented, I guess you could say, today. Fair enough. January flying by, I'm not so mad about. I am mad that it's basically perpetual March here. It's rainy and like cold, but not really like cold in a crisp snow way. It just rains all the time. And I'm ready for like real winter or just like, let's move on. (laughs) It's like March. The good thing about March is that, you know, April's around the corner and like there's going to be some warm days, but we're just kind of like March and January means there's like two more months of March, I guess. We'll find out. Good luck with that. It was (laughs) sunny and probably almost 80 degrees here. Well, that sounds lovely. That's why we're running down to your yeah part of the country in like a month because we we need somewhere nice and sunny before the baby comes so that's the the plan that'll be delightful for for you all and i am going to crash your party at some point yeah no perfect crash away all right casey do you have anything from last week any challenges anything like that that you want to catch up on before we dive in not really i didn't really have a chance to like practice ethical uh, wildlife photography or anything like that so um so hopefully you guys enjoyed it and learned things but absolutely i was just trying to rack my brain it always happens where during the week i think of something that i'm like oh i want to talk about this on the podcast and then i don't write it down and now it's gone so let's go ahead and just jump in to today's topic which is would i say fungi let's get that out of the way what do you we're talking about fungus the plural of which i have always said fungi what do you say casey I also say fungi, but when I traveled to Ireland, they have a bay of fungi, which is mm-hmm. spelled the same way. And so I was like, bay of fungi. And they're like, no, it's fungi. Um, so that always pops in my, like, now that I see it, because you don't encounter that word very often, even though I pronounce it fungi, fungi pops into my brain. It's like a, hey, remember? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think fungi is very deeply embedded in me now. So until somebody tells me, outright that I'm wrong. I'm going to keep with fungi, but I think that it's one of those where multiple pronunciations are correct and perhaps, well, but I've heard both. So I've heard fungi, obviously, fungi and fungi. Oh, yes. I've also heard that. Yes. And I feel like those other two, I can't remember which one now, but are the one is what I hear most commonly when actual scientists are talking about okay it, but are those scientists people, right, from they England. might be from other parts of the world <laughs> right yeah so uh until I get a definitive answer you're probably gonna hear fungi no I think that's valid um seeing as I pronounce cacti cacti and not cacti I think that that is right a very valid way to pronounce it so excellent all right so we're going with fungi tonight Casey what comes to mind when you other than your a uh, story that you just shared about the bay <laughs> the of, bay of fungi. fungi. <laughs> yes. What comes to mind when you think of fungi? Um, mushrooms. Mushrooms come to mind when I think of fungi, like specifically cartoon mushrooms. Like they always have a red, the white, top. and red. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and they're like coming back in style in like decor, and so I see them more often now. Interesting. Yep. I didn't know that. 
But now that I'm um, talking about it out loud, I also am now thinking of Toad from Mario. Yeah. So that's the, my, my other uh, fun guy <laughs> reference, I guess. Uh, you, yes, I do do love Toad. Uh, but I, and sure, I do think of mushrooms. I almost immediately have a negative reaction when I hear fungi. Fair, I'm yeah. creeped out I, by mushrooms. I used to have to rake mushrooms out of a yard when I was a zookeeper. There was one of the animal yards would mushrooms would pop up all the time and we would rake them out more just for appearance sake really than anything else. But I like, I get a tingle down my spine just thinking about it. I just, the texture, do you eat mushrooms? I eat some mushrooms, um, but I get it. Yeah, there's, I I mean, like, I think first there's the association with death since they're decomposers, like they're always growing in something kind of moist and like they're important in that way. Mm -hmm. But you're right. They have that like spongy, fleshy texture that's like mm, (laughs) not appealing. Yeah. So even things that are not inherently negative feel negative to me and then I do also I just immediately think like fungal infection and you know like athlete's foot or ringworm or you know the mold that gets like in between tile in your shower and uh, all kinds of negative things pop into my brain uh Fungi are amazing and important and diverse and much, much more than some of those negative things that they can be associated with. We're going to talk about that. We are, I promise. We're going to get to more of the positive things towards the end of this episode. We'll talk a little bit about fungi in general, but my inspiration for this episode is something that I think everybody is covering right now, but I figure why not Why not join in the fray, uh, is a television show based off a video game called The Last of Us. I am not at all familiar with the video game. I had never heard of this before until the show came out, but boy, do I love a good post-apocalyptic sci-fi thing, and that's kind of what this show is. Casey, you've watched it? Yes. I've watched a couple of episodes. I, I don't know anything about the story to come. So if you are somebody who watches the show, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything to come with the story because we have no idea. Uh, if you haven't watched the show, there might be mild spoilers for the first couple of episodes. But we're not talking about the story. We're talking about the subject, which is the zombie fungus. So we are going to separate facts from fiction, talk about what the the real inspiration for this very fictional story is, and a little bit more about what makes fungi so cool. So stick around for that discussion. All right, welcome everybody to a fabulous discussion on fungi. Now, Casey, you said one of the things that first pops into your mind when you hear fungi is mushrooms, right? Yes. And I feel like that is probably true for most people. For most people, the word fungus probably equals mushroom in their minds. But a mushroom is actually just one small part of what a fungus is. And not all fungi have mushrooms. So... The the 
kingdom or domain, if you prefer, of fungi is very large. There's uh, at least 144,000 named species so far, although, of course, numbers fluctuate depending on who you ask. Estimates for how many species of fungi there actually are are in the millions, and that number of millions ranges very widely <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Uh, but it is very large and diverse. Fungi can range from microscopic single-celled organisms, which is what yeasts are, so yeast is a fungus, uh, to huge macroscopic multicellular organisms. Uh, in fact, they say that the largest single organism in the world is a fungus in Oregon that covers an area of about 3.5 square miles. And when you think about that, uh, you're, if you are imagining some giant field covered in mushrooms or something like that, that's not what we're talking about because most of the fungus is typically going to be underground. Again, that mushroom that we see is just a, a small part of the organism. I, I would like to pause and say I was trying to Google to see if I could find a picture of this. Um, and the first thing that pops up was that it is called the humongous fungus yes. <laughs> which i love you can't really necessarily see what it looks like but right it's, it's such a good word uh <laughs> and it is one of those things too where i i say they say that this is the largest organism because in in my mind it's hard to believe almost it's amazing to to think about what these fungi can actually do so the mushrooms that we see are just the quote-unquote fruit if we're sort of making this analogous to plants. They're actually called fruiting bodies of the fungus and they release spores which are sort of kind of equivalent to seeds that we might talk about in plants. Reproduction in fungi is crazy. It can be sexual or asexual, usually dealing with spores. Yeah, I had a question. Yeah. Am I understanding that mushrooms are not like a sector of fungus, but a like body part of fungus? Yes. So it's not like, oh, cats are part of the animal kingdom. It's like some of us have arms or in this case, some of us have reproductive parts of this particular yes. type. Yes, yeah. because, well, if I mean, because if you think about it with all of the, I think if I'm understanding your question correctly, if you go back to the fact that fungi are so diverse in general and some of them are microscopic well a microscopic fungi isn't going single to have, cell yeah uh, you know uh, but interestingly some of the the microscopic fungi there i have a little diagram of of a bread mold there casey you can see that even though they're microscopic they're much much smaller that microscopic structure is kind of very similar to yeah. the mushroom so yes we call these things mushrooms there are lots of different kinds of mushrooms, but it's just, and that's kind of the common term that we use for them, but it is important to know that beneath the surface of what we see from that mushroom, there's a whole other part to the organism. Does that make sense to that? Yes. So within the mushroom and kind of coming down from the mushroom are all of these little filaments called hyphae that basically come together and conglomerate underground into what's called a mycelium. And so that's there's all of this going on below the surface that are other parts of that mushroom. But if, okay, next question, and maybe you don't know this. If you like 
harvest the mushroom, for example, you're not killing the rest of the plant. It's just, or not plant, fungus. You're just taking away part of it? I don't believe so. I don't believe you would be. You you might be removing a spore-producing element okay yes so depending on spore release timing they're fascinating there's so much more because i want to focus on one uh certain type of fungus there will be more to come on fungi they are it is just fascinating and every like every piece of what we're going to talk about tonight i feel like is an episode uh in itself but that's the gist on fungi in general. Huge range, very diverse, more than meets the eye, a lot going on beneath the surface. We'll come back around at the end to some of the roles and the different things that fungi do in the ecosystem as well. But now I want to kind of jump in to the inspiration for this episode and talk a little bit about The Last of Us and the zombie fungus. So if you are completely unfamiliar with what The Last of Us is, basically the premise is that a a fungus has taken over. People have become infected by a strain of fungus that takes over their minds, makes them attack other people, turns you into weird-looking creatures, and just continues to, to spread, basically, unchecked. Casey, do you remember the opening scene of the first episode where they have the scientists talking? Yeah, it's like the 1960s. -hmm. There's like two scientists and a talk show host. And like talk show host is a normal sort of like joking, congenial guy. And I know the one scientist that's talking about mushrooms is basically like, this is the scenario in which a fungi could cause a... uh, apocalypse i don't know if he specifically is talking i forget if he's specifically talking about like a zombie like apocalypse or just like a wipe out the human race apocalypse it's that yeah yeah but he's basically like very unflinching he is not reading the audience like the talk show host is trying to like make light of it a little bit and he's like nope and then we would just all die because there's nothing you could do about it you're like Mm -hmm. whoa bleak (laughs) and then they launch into present day the other thing that was interesting about that opening scene, too, that I liked is they they paint this picture of a fungus being able to take over people. Mm-hmm. And so they, they kind of start off talking about the real zombie fungus and they talk about how there are fungi that can take over the, the mind of ants, basically. And then so they talk about that idea of it being able to jump to humans, pairing it with climate change so they talk about how fungi can't survive in the temperature that human bodies are and they're like well but what if something say the earth were to get a little bit warmer causing them (laughs) to evolve uh so they kind of paint this picture of how this might actually be possible uh how did you feel or what did you think after watching that scene um, I, I well, first I thought it was really well done because just even the introduction of like, but if the earth got a little warmer, like we as the audience 
in 2023 are like, it has gotten warmer. <laughs> These scientists don't know in the 60s that it has gotten warmer. So I thought that was a really uh, awesome narrative device. But I did know I uh, about the zombie fungus prior to The Last of Us. Do you remember when like they first showed video of that in a nature documentary? I I don't remember when it actually happened, but I had certainly seen this video as well and and was aware of it prior to the show, too. Yeah, I so I know that that's what the creator of The Last of Us like saw that really kicked off his mm-hmm. thought on this, which is a brilliant inspiration because yes. it is really one of those things that we think of as science fiction and yet is very much real in the insect kingdom (laughs) versus the mammalian kingdom. Yeah. So I, for me, I had kind of a dual reaction to it where half of me was like, oh man, like that's so good. Like that's so good because they did, they took two real things and kind of smashed them together to make you feel like, oh, like this could happen. So yeah, I wasn't like shocked by the the revelation that that zombie fungus exists or anything like that, but I thought that the presentation of it in that sense was good. So there was a part of me that sort of had a gut instinct like ooh, like that how disturbing is that? But then like the other part of me, I'm I'm no expert, I'm no pro obviously, but I know enough to know that just that one change that one change of the earth warming a couple of degrees is not actually enough spoiler alert to like that in and of itself would not be enough to allow this particular fungus to infect us like that uh, which we'll talk about more too so the other half of me was like "Mm, this is gonna really freak some people out I feel like some people are actually going to be afraid that this is a legitimate concern that we should be fearful of maybe not exactly how the show carries it out but that idea of of a zombie fungus being able to infect us might actually be something that that people are afraid of after watching this which is is probably exactly uh what they wanted but it, it was a cool open a cool introduction zombie fungus is a real thing and and in fact there are a lot of species uh of zombie fungi. There are at least 35 known species of Ophiocordyceps, and that is the species in the video from BBC's Planet Earth that has reportedly inspired uh, The Last of Us video game creator uh, to create the game. Um, And so each of those different species of Ophiocordyceps will infect a different species of insect. Quick note in the show... Uh, they talk about the fungus being cordyceps, which is, there are also a lot of different species of, of cordyceps. My understanding is that cordyceps are parasitic fungi, but they do not take over their host in the same way that the o- ophiocordyceps do. But at the time that that video came out, that species was referred to as cordyceps. So that's sort of how the name came about uh, in the in the show. Ophiocordyceps unilateralis is the one that was featured in Planet Earth, and it seems to be the species of zombie fungus that has the most information available to it. And honestly, the more that I was able to find about this, the more fascinating it became. If you watch the video, we'll we'll link to that uh, in the show notes, and we can post it on our social media as well if you haven't seen it. 
watching it is crazy enough if you really let it sink in. This is a fungus. This is an organism that doesn't have a brain. It's not thinking. It's just existing. That controls another species. And we're still learning how really this works. So um, there was a study done by Penn State University that really helped to kind of actually visualize the fungus in the ant. And I'm going to read you how they said they did it because it's over my head. But they said they they integrated serial block face scanning electron microscopy with automatic image segmentation and analyses that uses deep learning algorithms to distinguish host and parasite tissue in serial stacks of images. So basically, they took a lot of pictures. Uh, they used scanning electron microscopy. Yes. <laughs> and they were able to look at those images and distinguish what the, the ant tissue from the fungal tissue or fungal cells and really look at where the fungus was present in the ant's body at a specific point in time in the infection. And so they were able to, to learn some things from this. So the way this fungus works is a fungal spore will land on an ant, penetrate its way in. Again, there's a lot of cool, interesting steps that we're still learning about right there of how the spore is actually able to penetrate uh, into the, the insect. And there it will grow and start to spread around the the ant. And after a certain length of time, it will start to take over that ant's movements. And that ant will start acting erratically. And instead of just following its little ant colony and getting food and going back to the nest and following what the order of ants are supposed to do, it will start staggering around, wandering aimlessly. And then and after a certain length of time, it will go up on a leaf. It will bite down on a vein in the leaf and it will just clamp there and die. And after it dies, the fungal body, remember we talked about mushrooms being the, the sort of fruiting body. So a little stalk will shoot out of that ant's head and spores eventually will come out of the end of that stalk and rain down on all of the other ants in the area and find more ants to, to turn into zombies. It's bonkers. So looking at where the fungus is in the ant's body, they're hoping will help figure out how this fungus is actually doing it and controlling the ant. And what I read in this study, again, if I'm understanding it correctly, actually freaked me out about this a little more because you would sort of assume, or at least I would, just hearing that, that it has to be taking over their brain, right? It, it does, yeah. The I don't really, uh, once you get into the insect world, because they're kind of considered like a macro organism where they're like, it's an individual ant, but it acts sort of in benefit of the colony versus its individual interests. Right. Like, how their brain works and communicates and functions is a little over my head. But it and it but it's fascinating too because ants act like that that also like the way the fungus works I'm going to use the word understands the way that ants works the, the way right. that ants work because uh, of some of the things that 
which that, that we'll get into that it does specifically. But when they looked at these images, the study at, at Penn State, they found that, yes, yeah, so there was there were fungal cells uh, in all three segments of the body. So there were fungal cells in the head, but there were no fungal cells in the brain at all. They found fungal cells in contact uh, around muscle, muscle fibers, and in some cases had entered muscle cells. So it seems like rather than controlling the brain, the fungus is controlling the muscles, which is horrifying. Does that mean that the ant knows that it's doing things that it's not supposed to be doing? Well, I wonder, I mean, I wonder if this has been disproven one way or another that the ant recognizes that something is terribly wrong and would like to get its behavioral response to that is get away from the other ants because I don't, you know, we can't spread it to everybody else inadvertently spreading the the spores. So that's very interesting. And I I don't think so. I also, I guess I can't say with 100% certainty that I know it's not impacting the brain in some way that because i i think that they think that the the fungus is secreting something that's interfering with receptors so perhaps yeah. there's there is uh it, it's interfering with the brain in that way and not not just the muscle so so what i'm so freaked out about might not actually be true i'll just i'll just put that out there um but what is interesting is because because ants will do that so if ants, if the colony of ants perceives a threat, if there's a sick ant, they will remove it from the colony. And so that's the fungus like will separate the ants from the colony because if the ant just went back to the, the nest, the other ants would throw it out. Um, mm, yeah. The other ants, I, th- I think maybe even would kill it and throw, throw it, it out, um, yeah. which would eliminate the problem and that fungus would not have a chance to reproduce if the other ants just killed it. So instead of doing that, it gets the ant away from the other ants so that it will not be killed. Again, I say that it's, it's perhaps, (laughs) perhaps that's anthropomorphizing too much, but the effect of it uh, is that this ant will not be killed and that this fungus will have a chance to keep growing in its live host until it is ready to reproduce. And that's when it will kill the the ant. Um, But also just other crazy things from other uh, studies. Um, There was a study, this I think was from over 10 years ago now, but looking at an ant population in Thailand, the the study at Penn State used laboratory ants and samples. Um, But uh, there was a study looking at an ant population in Thailand that seemed to show that this sort of death bite that the ant would do on the leaf typically occurs around noon. And at a given height of like about 25 centimeters or something like that, uh, presumably for maximum exposure to other living things. But I'm just like, how? How How does this fungus no, is it responding to light in some ha- some way? Is it you know what? It, it's just unreal to me that this non-thinking organism con- seems to control uh, these insects in such a, a specific way. Um, so it was really interesting, and the whole like death bite thing that 
uh, the ants will do on the leaves as well is really fascinating. These studies talk about how uh, there's a lot of muscle atrophy after this bite too, uh, which means that they cannot release. So they bite down and they they cannot release their mouth parts because of this muscle <laughs> atrophy. It just seems like a horrible way to go all the way around. Yeah. <laughs> but extremely beneficial. Again, th- this is this fungus is acting as a parasite, uh, so it is benefiting itself to the harm of its host, uh, these insects. And again, it's not just ants. We're talking about uh, this one that's specific to the ants, but this happens with with flies. And I think I was, I think maybe flies, wasps, cicadas. Maybe there was one I can't remember that I was reading about. Uh, but this will will happen in in slightly modified ways with different species of the Ophiocordyceps and different insects as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew that like Cordyceps was like species, like one species of Mm -hmm. Ophiocordyceps targets like one species of ant. Like not even like this can happen to all ants. It has to happen to like one type of ant. Uh, yes, I th- I think so. Although there was some other things that I was reading that seemed to suggest that maybe there was a little wiggle room sure. in very similar species, but uh, but yeah, it's pretty specific. Uh, and the other ones, might, I I'd, I guess I would have to check and see if all of the others were Ophiocordyceps or not. But this does happen. This some form of this this fungal takeover does happen with some other insect species in other ways too some of them are crazy i want to say it's the cicada that like its whole like abdomen falls off at one point and then it's just like flying around releasing no it's crazy fungus guys it's i'm telling you so doesn't sound fun to me extremely fascinating so 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 much more detail uh, that I that scientists need to learn, and certainly that I'm curious to to read about uh, now after doing some preliminary research here. So that's a real thing. Zombie fungus. Could this happen to humans? No, <laughs> no is is the short and and most direct answer according to everything that I was reading. And again, this is very popular right now with this show coming out, which is very cool. I love that this is bringing some attention to a real natural phenomenon. Uh, but uh, actual scientists that study fungi. Uh, that's what they say. Like, this is not going to happen. These species are so very specific. Our bodies, our, the systems in our body are very different and much more complex than in insects. So, and, and these fungi have been evolving alongside these insects for millions of years. So, again, it would take more than just the earth warming and fungi being able to evolve to handle those temperatures to allow them to infect us. However, some other interesting things about fungi uh, that came up uh, in relation to that, there's just like a little little nuggets of truth interspersed in the sci-fi, which I think makes for a good sci-fi. Yes. You know, as long as you are not going to delude yourself into thinking that it's real. But fungal infections can be tough to treat uh, in people. There's not a large percentage of fungi that cause infections in us. But I mean, 
we, I mentioned athletes, but there's ringworm is a, is a fungal infection. You can get fungal infections in your lungs, although it's pretty rare uh, unless you're otherwise immunocompromised. Uh, but they can be difficult to treat, uh, especially as compared to, say, like bacterial infections, because fungi are more similar to us. They're a eukaryotic organism like animals are, uh, which means they have a nucleus and membrane-bound organelles, whereas bacteria do not. So it can be a little more challenging to come up with medicines that will target the fungus and not us. So again, in the show, <laughs> in the second episode, they talk to a, a fungal expert and they're they're asking her like what is they're explaining the situation and they're like what do we do at like the very start of the outbreak and and she's she's like there's there's nothing like there's no medicine you can't do it uh basically we have to destroy everything uh which is a very extreme response yes i I did think that moment was slightly far-fetched just like a yeah they they take advice from this one scientist who's like gotta destroy everything (laughs) (laughs) i will say uh, so I took a class on the apocalypse in college. No way! Yeah. <laughs> That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, it was my senior seminar for my English major was a class on the apocalypse. What's up, Dr. Pelletier? He's not listening, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> and so we talked a decent amount about zombie apocalypse. This was like very much at the height of The Walking Dead being very popular. Um, we watched 28 Days Later, which my brother-in-law argues is not a zombie movie. I argue it is. And and one of the things that we covered in that, and, and this is going to be like a very boiled down sort of version because I don't remember all of our sources and stuff, but basically zombie apocalypse narratives and zombies have been around for a really long time. And the way that we explain how they happened has changed a little bit based on the anxieties of society. Interesting. The first zombie narratives are like magic based, like it's a kind of necromancy witchcraft situation and as time progressed even that narrative got a little bit more racialized as there was some racial anxiety like voodoo and things like that and so in our modern day having something like a virus or a a fungi much more jives with our society's anxieties about science and things that that we perceive as real threats now manifested in the zombie narrative that is so fascinating yeah, English majors have a <laughs> we have purpose. <laughs> yes, of course English majors have purpose, but that is that is so interesting. I'm so jealous that I didn't get to take uh, that class, but also thanks for sharing. I mean that it makes total sense and again I I think plays into the whole why that opening scene works right. so well. They take another form of our anxiety and all of a sudden say like, oh, that climate change anxiety you have now that is wrapped in this zombie apocalypse narrative. Like we're moving past the pandemic uh, Mm -hmm. zombie apocalypse, which was The Walking Dead. We've now experienced pandemic and now we're moving into like a ramifications of climate change, natural world coming back to haunt us sort of situation. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. A nice new development. Yeah. and speaking of climate change, that is a, a, a real concern as well. Again, not that we're going to turn into zombies because of fungi, but climate change will have an impact on fungi. What that is, 
again, exactly, there are questions around that to, to be answered, but we've talked on this podcast before about the prevalence of, of some diseases increasing due to climate change, and that is a potential for some, I think, species of, of fungi potentially becoming more easily transmissible with climate change, but there could also be detrimental effects to right. very beneficial fungi as a result of climate change, which we'll touch on a little bit, but actually there's some that that can get really complex too. So we may have to save some of that for another episode as well. I do want to talk about a couple of other quick things that the show might get right or wrong in relation to fungi. Uh, One is uh, something that the show, at least the, the couple episodes that I've seen so far, has ignored so far. And I know that this is different in the video game. The video game does use spores. Uh, the show does not show the fungi spreading via spores at all. That is generally how fungi reproduce, whether it's sexually or asexually. But you can kind of see why that would not. You would probably have to suspend reality like a little bit too much the argument i've seen um is twofold one the director's kind of like if they spread via spores there wouldn't be a show because we'd just all be dead right (laughs) in the game i know a lot of characters have to wear like oxygen masks and the other argument that i saw is that pedro pascal is the main actor in this series and he is also the mandalorian Mandalorian. where he has to wear a mask the entire time and so they were like why would you pay pedro pascal to hide his face again Again. for this series why don't we just let him you know be his normal acting self so um that's that's the sort of argument that i've seen i mean they said at least for you know the season one so it's possible that they'll have some sort of like evolution but yes they have mentioned spores uh, in one of the episodes but yes it it makes sense to me to to not uh, use that but i mention it here just because i think it is important to note like we're inhaling fungal spores all the time yes all the time they're everywhere yeah that reminds me me i've lived in an apartment with mold before (laughs) that's no fun (laughs) sure yeah and so that might be one that you would notice but just general in everyday life regardless you know we're walking around outside we're inhaling fungal spores just just most of the time it's they don't do anything to us sure i think also maybe as a society we might be a little like mask fatigued Mm -hmm. from like you know like we've experienced that that airway transmission of something bad so maybe we're just like we don't need that in our our (laughs) sci-fi shows right now yeah (laughs) for sure uh so yes it's it's a fair it's a it's a fair omission uh in my mind already mentioned the comment about medicines uh where she talks about there not being any medicines we do have medicines that treat fungal infections but they can be harder harder to treat so i thought that was Again, sort of overblown, but a nugget of truth in there that's kind of fun. And then I thought there was an an interesting piece of, uh, they don't call them zombies really in the show. They call them the infected. The infected, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they kind of introduce this idea that the infected are connected via growth underground. They basically talk about hyphae and the mycelium without mentioning either of them by name. Uh, but they do bring in this idea that there's a lot of fungus that we don't see that's below the ground. So I kind of liked that they brought that in as well. Yeah. I mean, that's that theory is really interesting because it's related to kind of how trees work too. 
There's, mm-hmm. there's some theories about like how trees use fungi to yeah. communicate. So that is a cool like nugget of truth mixed into a not realistic execution of that truth. Yeah. And hang on to that too, that is that mention of plants, because we'll come back to that in just a moment. Okay, so all those things being said, I, I think the show does a really nice job. I think it's really exciting to see fungi become popular uh, like this and to see that the creators do seem at least relatively aware of fungi in the real world. And while they're not interested, obviously, in getting everything exactly right, I think that they've they've done a really nice job of of interweaving those little bits of of truth uh, throughout the, the story. So it's it's pretty fun. And I think it's important for us with all that to talk about why fungi are so important and why sh- we should care about them. And you mentioned one of the things that I think is really important that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of is the relationship that fungi have with plants. So Casey, as a plant person, how familiar are you with this plant-fungus relationship? A, okay. a little bit. I Because I'm sure it's much more complex than my understanding oh, of, of yeah, it we're, is. We're staying yeah. basic level. We're staying right basic now. level. Yeah. Basically, we all know plants put down roots to get nutrients out of the soil. The actual way that most of that happens is that they have a symbiotic relationship with fungi in the soil, mycorrhiza. We call it Mike sometimes. Like they sold nice. a product in garden centers just called Mike because I love it. Um, because it, it contained mycorrhiza, and they exchange basically like sugars for the different types of nutrients, and it helps them process. And then more recent research has suggested that trees will also use this fungi as a network through the forest to communicate across different trees and as like almost an immune response or yeah things like that to communicate danger things like like those sort of things are somehow related to the the fungi (laughs) yeah which is something that i we definitely want to talk about more in the future i this is a concept that i was familiar with but i could not find too much as i was reading uh uh, at least in the time frame that i had that talked about that too much so definitely more on that kind of communication piece to come in the future but for now yes this mycorrhizae this symbiotic relationship between the plants and fungi is really important and more prominent, I think, than I realized. Around 90% of all vascular plants have a symbiotic relationship, apparently, with what is called mycorrhizal, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mycorrhizal, rhizal, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, fungi. So basically, as you said, I didn't touch on this in the beginning, but fungi are not plants. Uh, they are more closely related to, to animals. They are not photosynthetic, so they don't produce their own food. So yes, those the little hyphae, the mycelium are, are kind of in the ground and they actually will secrete enzymes to sort of externally <laughs> digest and then absorb uh, nutrients from the soil. But they will actually get sugars from the roots of the plants and then pass on other nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus to the plants. And I think the idea is the hyphae of the fungi are smaller, they're finer, they reach further uh, than the tree roots can. And so they help bring in some nutrients that the roots wouldn't otherwise be able to reach, which again, that in and of itself, 
fascinating. And I love that we start off talking about fungi in this parasitic relationship that they have with insects. And now we see here this kind of beautiful symbiotic relationship where both species is benefiting um, at the end here. So they're, they're extremely important in their ecosystems. This is just one of the reasons why. Yeah, I, I will confess that I don't, I haven't read any research papers about this, but in the garden center industry, if you look at some of the different types of fertilizers that are available, you will see this fungi listed as an ingredient in mm-hmm. these fertilizers. And the idea behind it is basically that in very developed areas in our suburbs, in our cities, all of the construction has really killed out a lot of the organic matter of our soil, which compromises things like that fungi. And so when you plant a new tree in the ground, for example, that tree might not have as high a chance of success as it would in natural soils because the mic isn't around as much. So by adding that that in the fertilizer, and they'll have like lots of different species of it, in the fertilizer, the idea is that it can help build that root system to more effectively take up nutrients. Yeah. So like you're adding nutrients to the soil, but you're actually also adding something, something that helps them absorb. take up the nutrients. Yeah. 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 So again, not sure all the research, but that is the idea behind that those sort of products. So if you see that, that's what's what you're seeing. Yeah. So th- I, th- I think that's just a fascinating thing and, and shows why uh, we should we should all be more aware uh, about the fungi around us. Other things, of course, we eat fungi. I don't, but people do. People, people eat mushrooms, uh, and some mushrooms are very valuable, and people get very obsessed uh, with their their mushrooms. But also, baker's yeast—that's a fungus. Brewer's yeast. If you've ever taken penicillin. You can thank fungus for that. Uh, you mentioned earlier in, in the show, Casey, that there's a group of fungi that are decomposers. So that's a, another extremely important role that these organisms will play in their environment, breaking down nutrients, returning good things to the soil, again, helping out all, all the other life uh, around it. And even zombie fungi, even though as, as horrible as it sounds... Uh, they play an important role in the ecosystem as well. I just, it, I would say, in the same way that we talk about any sort of predator-prey relationship, um, there can be some population control with the zombie fungi, and that's a thing I didn't even mention. This is an aside. Now, going back to what we talked about earlier, there are also parasites on the zombie fungus. Like there are other, which I, I can't remember now. I think it might actually be another fungus that parasitizes on the zombie fungus. I can't, don't quote me on that 100%, but there is an organism that will parasitize the zombie fungus and keep it from reproducing, basically keep that that thing that shoots out of the uh, ant's head from releasing spores. So that in turn keeps the zombie fungus from going unchecked. Nature. Wild. That's that's what I'm going to end with. Nature is wild. Fungi are crazy, super cool. There will be more. There will be more episodes on fungi. But I just wanted to, like I said, just join the party with folks who are finding out about fungi or becoming more invested uh, because of the popularity of the show. And I think it's cool when that happens, whenever we can kind of cross over into pop culture and uh, spread the nature love. I think that's really fun. Yeah. Shout out to anyone who's in Dr. Pelletier's Apocalypse seminar right now who's probably watching The Last of Us for homework. Um, Man. But it's it's a good show. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're into 
not even just zombie narratives like it's it's high quality character development and yeah. things like that so. I'm, not, I, I'm not familiar with any of the I mean I've heard of the walking dead and all of that but I never never got into any of that I don't have any particular attachment to any zombie type things but like I said I love the post apocalyptic stuff and yeah some some good characters a well done show fungi are super cool stick around for your challenge of the week All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed in some way that discussion on fungi. Zombie fungus is a creepy thing to think about, but also just very, very cool when you start to think about all of the minutiae of, of how it works and so much more to the world of fungi than the zombie fungus. So if that is your starting point, we hope that this episode made you kind of open your eyes to to beyond the zombie fungus. We'll talk more about fungi in the future. And your challenge for the week is hopefully going to help broaden your horizons with fungi a little bit more. And it's quite simple. It's just to go find a fungus and cleaning your bathroom does not count. That is I was not, gonna say, yeah, no. <laughs> my goal is not to find it in my fridge. But. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so that's another good. <laughs> yeah, chores fungus related to chores does not count it doesn't count but you can still take a picture and tag us in it because <laughs> I mean, it's a fungus like it's I mean, it's playing yeah, its role that's true <laughs> yeah, that is very true they can also look kind of cool sometimes but i would say go outside and find a fungus if you can obviously this is going to be de- maybe dependent on where you are and the the current weather and and all of that fun stuff. So if you can't actually go out and find a fungus of your own, get on iNaturalist. You can search just fungus. Like you can put put that in and it will pull up sightings around you and they do just look really cool. I didn't even like I didn't even mention lichens tonight, which is a relationship between fungi and algae. And some of those are beautiful. They're gorgeous. I mean, some of the mushrooms that you see uh, are beautiful. So explore some fungus on iNaturalist. And again, you can look at just the sightings around your location as well to see what fungus is around you. But if you can, if you're in a in a place where the weather allows for you to go outside and walk around and look for a fungus see what you find and then you can post it to iNaturalist and have somebody identify your fungus for you. Yes. And tag us and also don't eat it unless you really, really know uh, what please. it is. Yeah. True. That's very true. Yes. Some are, are some are yummy and some are what Dangerous. Black Forge <laughs> calls tummy no-nos. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Sarah, if they want to tag us, where can they uh, do that? Uh, you can find us on Facebook at A Little Greener Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at A Little Greener Pod. You can find us on Twitter at A Greener Podcast. And you can email us if you would like at a little, a little greener podcast at gmail.com. You can send us your photos and we'll post them for you. Awesome. Hey, guys, we're taking next week off. Yes, we are. So you've got two weeks to find your fungus or do any other challenges that you want to let us know about. But we're going to talk to you again in a couple weeks. And we hope you have a good, safe next 
heart of winter. Bye!